0: Welcome to the Who, What, Why podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Sheckman. In 1968, President Lyndon Johnson created what came to be called the Kerner Commission. Chaired by Illinois Governor Otto Kerner, its goal was to identify the causes of the violent 1967 riots that killed 43 in Detroit and 26 in Newark, while causing mass casualties in 23 other cities. Then, as now... There was pent-up frustration which boiled over particularly in many poor black neighborhoods, setting off riots that rampaged out of control. At the time, many Americans blamed the riots on what they saw as misplaced black rage, and often vague outside agitators. But in March 1968, the Kerner Commission report turned those assumptions on their head. It declared that white racism, not black anger, was at the root of American turmoil. It talked about bad policing practices, a flawed justice system, unscrupulous consumer credit practices, poor or inadequate housing, high unemployment, voter suppression, and other culturally embedded forms of racial discrimination that all combined to ignite the fuse on the streets of African-American neighborhoods. White society, the presidentially appointed panel reported, is deeply implicated in the creation of the ghetto. The nation, the Kerner Commission warned, was so divided that the United States was poised to fracture into two radically unequal societies, one black and one white. Today, there is only one living member of that commission, and he also happens to be the oldest living current or former United States senator. He was once a candidate for president of the United States. He served as chairman of the Democratic National Committee. He served for two terms as a senator from Oklahoma. And it is my pleasure to welcome Senator Fred Harris to the Who, What, Why podcast. Senator, thanks so much for joining us.
1: You bet. Thank you.
0: Talk a little bit about the state of the country as, as you remember it back in
1: 1967. Well, it, it was as uh, the Kerner Commission said, the country was becoming two societies, one black, one white, separate and unequal. And we, uh, President Johnson, when he appointed us, uh, partly at my suggestion, that uh, he said, let your search be free and uh, and tell the truth, find the truth and tell it. Well, we did. Uh, And what we said was that uh, racism and poverty were uh, at the base of the terrible disorders and, uh, and very strong protests that erupted all over the country back then after the uh, hot summer of 1967. And we recommended, as you said, strong and immediate action to do something about the terrible inequities, uh, social, political, and economic, that existed in our country.
0: And as you look out today, fifty-two years later, at what has transpired, and seeing so many of those same issues playing out today, talk a little bit about your perspective on that.
1: Well, I'm as as you know, as a the surviving member of the commission, I'm getting a lot of calls now, and people saying, "How do you feel about what's going on and about the the killing of, of George Floyd and others, uh, the terrible inequality of wealth and income, the worsening uh, segregation uh, and discrimination in the country. Well, the way I feel is like most Americans now feel, which is sick at heart, uh, grief-stricken, mad as hell. Uh, and, and I would say, but uh, there's some differences now uh, with these uh, protests that are occurring in the country from what happened back in 1967 and 68. It's larger. These protests are much larger. They're more widespread. They're multiracial now. They're longer lasting. Uh, And uh, they, they are cutting across Uh, race and and class, Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, we've developed in recent years a huge uh, leadership cadre of uh, people of color. Uh, They're demanding to be heard, and we have to listen and act.
0: When you look back at the recommendations of of the commission, many of those recommendations, many of the conclusions that you reached in that report didn't sit well with President Johnson. Talk about that.
1: Well, Johnson was misinformed about what was in the report, Uh, and he was, of course, distracted by the uh, terrible uh, involvement of the United States in the war in in Vietnam, Uh, and Uh, And he rejected our report, uh, which is especially sad because President Johnson did more uh, against racism and poverty than any president before or since. But we actually, despite that, we made great progress on virtually every aspect of race and poverty for about 10 years following the Kerner Report. And then that progress stopped and was reversed, and uh, that regression uh, goes on now uh, still. Back then, for example, we were reducing poverty, the rate of poverty in the country. Uh, And for example, the black-white gap in education was being uh, reduced at a rate that, had it continued, there would be no such gap today. that uh, that that's what makes people like me particularly sad and, and angry to see uh, all of that uh, uh, wasted time and these wasted lives.
0: And what was it that really had an influence that had an impact after the report came out? As you say, Johnson didn't really buy into it. He rejected the report. What drove the changes at that point?
1: Well, there was just a feeling generally in the country and a, and a majority of Democrats in the Congress uh, in favor of civil rights and of the anti-poverty programs and so forth. And that carried over for a while, uh, but uh, starting with Nixon and then especially with uh, Reagan, uh, the emphasis switched more and more to uh, law and order. Uh, and. Today, there's less violence, I think, than there was back then associated with these uh, protests. It's still too much, and it's by people who are not really, uh, don't have the same agenda, who who have their own uh, agenda. Um, But uh, that shouldn't be the focus. It shouldn't have been the focus then of uh, the consideration of race and poverty. And it, it shouldn't be now. We don't need to militarize this problem. We we need to, to coin a new word. We need to communitize. People need to stay mad as hell, at least to, to November, to change our government. But uh, the federal government has to take the lead, but it can't be all. What we, we need, uh, uh, civil society to be involved in. Every community ought to have a, a, a local organization, a group uh, set up not to study the problem we 've studied the problems to death. we know what needs to be done uh, and and we need to begin to act locally and then federally when we can on schools on housing on infrastructure, on jobs and income on racism uh, health uh, I think we we ought to say uh, these people, uh, like uh, uh, George Floyd and others, uh, the hundreds, hundreds of thousand people who died from uh, coronavirus, they should not have died in vain. Uh, we ought to uh, take responsibility for changing things, and in a big way, and say to our, our politicians, uh, go big or go home.
0: What were some of the specific recommendations that the Kerner Report made that that may not have been implemented at the time, but some of the recommendations that you would have liked to have seen implemented then?
1: Well, uh, for example, in regard to the police, we they were uh, uh, implemented. We we the police and the National Guard, of course, had no training in uh, crowd control or disorders or whatever, and. F- most of the people that got killed uh in during those disorders were black and most of them were innocent uh and uh, so we said we ought we ought not to militarize the, the police uh we ought to make the police look like uh, and to be a part of the communities which they're supposed to uh pro- protect and uh, and serve uh, and we ought to change the culture culture of the police uh <laughs> in too many places, they were coming they were white uh, and coming in from the outside during the day, really enforcing the law uh, as they saw it against the black community rather than being a part of that uh, community so for a while, we had community policing we began to do a lot of that, but most of it's been abandoned. Uh, now, for a while, we had the and fairly lately, uh, during the Obama administration, for example, we had the Department of Justice uh, sort of taking over the uh, uh, the the local police departments which were uh, using force uh, too too much as a first uh, effort to deal with local problems and uh, and all of that now has has been abandoned.
0: One of the things that was striking in in reading so much of the dialogue from that period was this idea that somehow it was all being caused by outside agitators. We're hearing some of that rhetoric again today. Talk a little about that, Senator.
1: Yes, the uh, uh, two things uh, occurred to me w- uh, about that. One is, I think there was a lot of a lot of white people in the country who thought, well, it's it's those uh, mean old Southerners. Uh, it had really the problem here. But just as we saw in uh, Minnesota, uh, and as back in the Kerner Commission days, we saw in places like uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland and Milwaukee and and elsewhere, uh, the, the racism was not just a problem in the South, it was endemic to the whole country. And with the intertwined problems of uh, race and poverty, uh, and that was a, a national, these were national problems, and they were not uh, just uh, a situation where uh, one white person hates black people. Uh, it's, it, it was, uh, racism is endemic, and so is poverty in this country, and, uh, and it's a national problem. We've got to deal with it nationally, but we also ought to, right this minute, uh, begin to deal with it uh, face-to-face uh, in at the community level.
0: Talk a little bit about how the commission talked about these issues at the time. When the commission had its meetings, talk a little bit about the what the dialogue was like with respect to these issues of race and poverty and the way they had become so systemic in the country.
1: Well, first of all, what we did was we held uh, 20-something days of hearings where we heard from uh, uh, a great uh, group of people, I think uh, 40-something witnesses, uh, ranging from J. Edgar Hoover to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And then we uh, uh, authorized a, a great many studies uh, by experts of these uh, city problems and, uh, and of racism and poverty. We uh, sent out teams of experts to uh, all of the riot cities. Uh, and then we divided into teams. John Lindsay and I, the mayor of New York, uh, were a team for traveling around the country to the these cities where the disorders had occurred. Uh, and, and we continued a team to uh, lead the, uh, uh, the writing of the uh, report. Uh, and we read aloud every single word and voted on uh, every single word of that commission report, we had come back each of us really uh, uh, sobered and uh, and shaken by what we'd seen out in the country and uh, the hostility which people quite understandably felt toward the uh, police and uh, the uh, that the, the, we, we we saw Ourselves the awful conditions of, of of racism and poverty which existed in in the black sections of the country. We made a mistake, I think, in the uh, in the Kerner Commission in not uh, taking the public along with us the best we could, the the media particularly, in our hearings. Our hearings were closed, uh, and when John Lindsay and I, for example, went out to Milwaukee and Cincinnati and so forth and walked the streets and talked to people uh, and, and saw the depths of their desperation and, uh, and anger, uh, it's a shame that the people couldn't have seen those things themselves. That's also different now. People have seen it. They, they saw that policeman's uh, knee on the neck of uh, George Floyd, and they heard him say that he was dying and calling his mother's name uh, you couldn't look away if we can't look away and 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 that i i hope will lead us to action this time for sure
0: the report was finished in march of of 1968 It was in April of 68, a month later, that Martin Luther King was assassinated, and five months later that Bobby Kennedy was. Talk a little bit about, as someone who had looked at these issues as part of the commission, how you felt about all of this in light of what transpired shortly after the report was finished.
1: Of course, it was the worst year of my life, 1968. Uh, and uh, robert kennedy for example was a seatmate of mine in the senate and we were each other's closest friends uh, friend in the senate so we had that awful democratic convention in chicago that year uh, we had the the vietnam war worsening uh, it, it the country was just uh, really falling apart and uh, it it is amazing that we got by as well as we did, uh, I think that uh, this this is another chance, maybe the last chance we have to really deal with these problems on the local level and at the federal level uh, in a way which will really eliminate racism or the harsh results of racism uh, and poverty. And we have the means to do it. Uh, we had a chance at the writing of the Constitution. To do it again uh, at the end of the Great Depression, and we made some headway, uh, uh, well, a lot of headway, in regard to poverty and uh, inequality of income and wealth. Uh, we've we had another chance at uh, in 1968, and 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 I hope that this time we're going to respect. The idea that the, these dead, including the 100,000 plus people who've died from the coronavirus, uh, these dead uh, shall not have died in vain.
0: What gives you optimism? Ha- having seen what happened in 1967, not 1968, having seen that up close, and seeing how little we've come today, what gives you optimism?
1: First of all, we've, we've got... Uh, a, a, in, as I said, a, a huge uh, leadership cadre of uh, people of color now, far greater than we had then. And that's a, 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 a great asset. Secondly, if people are really aware. You 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 cannot not be aware of these endemic uh, problems of race and poverty, and uh, the great majority of people are willing to do the things, want to do the things that must be done. Uh, There is greater activism today than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And as I said, people are mad as hell. I want them to stay mad through uh, November to change our government, but not wait till November. Start now at the community level to do what must be done.
0: How do you compare what you witnessed in 1968 to what you're witnessing in 2020?
1: There is a, a, a comparison. Uh, these uh, protests are, are larger. They're more widespread. They're more multiracial. They're longer lasting. Uh, they cut across uh, uh, race and uh, class lines uh, and uh I think the the way people feel uh, can't be quelled by uh, some kind of militaristic uh, approach. They're not going to stand for that, Uh, and the only thing that's going to uh, bring us uh, peace and a stable society of self-esteem is uh, justice and the elimination of the inequities political, social, economic that exists in this country.
0: And, and finally, do you think that the words of the Kerner Commission report that we are two nations, one black, one white, are still true today?
1: Uh, more true than was, than was true even then. Uh, we began to desegregate. We passed open housing laws, uh, but then now we've regressed and the cities. The housing, the schools are resegregating, uh, and there's far more uh, anti black uh, violence than was true before. Uh, unemployment among black people has continued to be uh, about twice what it is for the rest of uh, our society. And the COVID death uh, uh, disparity is so stark. Uh, for you know, the far greater proportion of Black, Hispanic, uh, Indigenous, poor people uh, are dying from the coronavirus than uh, than is their the proportion in the
0: society. Former U.S. Senator, former member of the Kerner Commission, Fred Harris. I thank you so much for spending time with us here on the Who, What, Why podcast. You bet. Thank you. And thank you for listening and for joining us here on Radio Who, What, Why. I hope you join us next week for another Radio Who, What, Why podcast. I'm Jeff Sheckman. If you like this podcast, please feel free to share and help others find it by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. You can also support this podcast and all the work we do by going to whowhatwhy.org forward slash donate.